Well, good morning. It's hard for me to believe that uh, my time with you is actually drawing to a close. Today is my last sermon. It's not my last Sunday, but it is my last sermon. I began my preaching career, if you can call it a career, here with you almost two years ago. And you have been on the receiving end of all but two of my sermons. The 8 o'clock service gets the first trial, and so it gets a little bit better for you. (laughs) So thank you for listening. And as I told the 8 o'clock service, like, you actually have a choice. (laughs) So here we go with the last one. Last week and this week, our gospel readings have taken us into Jesus' farewell discourse in the Gospel of John. The farewell discourse is actually about five chapters long, and we have just a small little portion of it. But in it, we have a mix of conversation and prayer between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus spends this time comforting his disciples and preparing them for a future, a future that, in which he will not be physically present among them. But they will be charged to spread the gospel And if you follow along in the book of Acts, you'll know how that is not just a a smooth road. The prayer and conversation that Jesus is having with them is about love. God's love for his son and the son's love for us. Abide in my love. I find this gospel passage very dense and rich but also very hard to parse our way through. In both the epistle lesson today from the first letter of John and in our gospel lesson from John, we hear of obedience of God's commandments and God's love. The outcome of this love is that Jesus' joy is in us and that our joy may be complete. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Both Jesus and the writer of the first letter of John are expressing freedom in following God's commandments. There is a sense of freedom in obedience to the laws. This makes me think of Psalm 119, which showed up in our morning prayer readings a couple of weeks ago. Almost every verse of that psalm is about the law. In fact, the psalm can be considered the Torah par excellence. We read the words in this psalm, such as law, decrees, statutes, judgment, word, commandment, all of these words that bind the people of God to God in God's way or God's path. The Torah or law should not be seen as a way to confine or constrain or hold back or repress. It actually can be seen as a way, a path of life, a life bound in God's life. As you all know, I'm getting ready to graduate from seminary. And uh, for our degree, we had to take a non-Christian religion course. 
So I took Judaism. On the first day of class, our instructor, Rabbi Panette, asked each of us why we took the class. And all of these young, brilliant uh, undergraduates from Harvard, Princeton, and Yale that now found themselves in Divinity School for their graduate degree were waxing on and on about some deep the theological, in-depth, convoluted reasoning for being in the class. And this root from Kansas, when it came my turn to answer the question, I looked at Rabbi Panette and I said, well, I think because if I weren't an Episcopalian, I'd be a Jew. And Rabbi Panette looked at me, and of course all the young 25-year-olds are just looking at me like, really, you just said that? But Rabbi Panette looked at me and said, well, if I were not a Jew, I'd be an Episcopalian. <laughs> so we got along famously after that. What I learned in that class about the Jewish law was that it was not meant to be restrictive, but it's meant to provide a structure to keep one on the right path. The law is a set of rules and practices. There's a lot of freedom and joy in this. It's like any game you play that has a set of rules. For example, let's take basketball. Since I am a Kansan and it's a game that I've played for a long time. When you begin playing it, there are a lot of rules. And those rules can seem burdensome at first. I mean, you've got, you know, double dribble, palming, setting a moving screen, all kinds of things that really make you have to kind of think a little bit. But once you understand all of them and know how to play the game within those sets of rules, this is where there is joy for the game. The joy comes when you are free to play the game and not worry about the rules because you play within the rules without thinking about all those rules. Just as we read in the epistle today, and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. Commandments. They should not be seen as restrictive, but as something that provides freedom. Just as the basketball player has freedom to play the game with beauty, grace, and fluidity of movement, it is the, sa it is the same as when we live in God's love and when we keep God's commandments. Living this way, marks a way in which one lives and moves and has one's being. There is movement along this path, a way. And in Psalm 119 in particular, we are provided with a sense of this movement. The psalmist identifies the righteous as those on the move. Happy are they whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are they who observe his decrees, and seek him with all their hearts. They walk, they seek, there is a path and a way. In this we get motion or movement. This movement or this path or way maps God's law with the response of the psalmist. There is mutual engagement, a giving of the law and a response to that giving. 
There is nothing static about God's commandments and one's adherence to them. This adherence is a heartfelt longing and seeking of God with all our desire pointed and fixed toward God, not straying off that path. This mutual engagement, this giving and responding, is about God's love. God's love for us and our response to God's love. Abide in me and I will abide in you. A mutual engagement. God's love seems to be where the path leads us. There's always a destination when we seek to follow a path. In this Easter season for Christians, this destination seems to be clear. The path leads us to the resurrected Christ. The resurrected Christ where we will find a place to reside, an abode, a dwelling, a place to abide in him. The act of abiding is the act of receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. To receive Christ into our soul. This abiding presence begins with the love of the Father and Son. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Stay in God's love. Dwell in God's love. This is the imperative. This is the command. And in this farewell discourse, Jesus is giving this command to his disciples in order that his joy will be in them and that their joy may be complete. The joy of Jesus was about his absolute self-sacrifice, the joy of doing what the Father sent him to do. Abiding in Jesus' love is a profound joy, a joy that occurs occurs when our hearts rejoice in God. And we see this joy in today's psalm. It's an outpouring of emotion, an outpouring of joy over God's love. And if you see, it encompasses all of God's creation. Shout with joy to the Lord, all you lands. Shout with joy before the King, the Lord. Let the sea make a noise. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills ring with joy. My hope is that you are obedient to the commandment to abide in Jesus' love, that you feel the freedom in the way of the law, that this freedom allows you to know this love deeply, the love that Jesus has from the Father. This is the same love Jesus has for us, that in abiding in this love, there is fullness of joy, that you will have this same love for one another in this body of Christ, and that you are able to take this love and joy, this deep abiding love and joy, beyond these walls and do the mission of the church, to love one another as God has loved us. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Amen.